Hello and welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. My name is Jakub. And my name is Lenny. And we are in 2023, Lenny, with our 30th episode. Uh, been, a, been a little bit of a of a stalemate from our side, so happy to be back in this in the seat, proverbially seat here, to uh, to record another episode. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. We didn't we didn't have the most consistent recording schedule last year in 2022. It's right? almost like load shedding. <laughs> <laughs> load shedding is a term that uh, any of our international listeners will, will potentially not be familiar with, and I, I thought we we're going to take at least a couple of minutes before we speak about load shedding. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's top of mind for any South African at this point in time. <laughs> so this is episode 30 of the Human and Machine podcast. Um, last year was a, a little bit of, of, of a quiet year for us in terms of recordings, um, definitely not due to a lack of um, amazing people that are doing some great work to speak to, simply just the time to get to record um, these episodes. But thank you for, for following. Thank you for the feedback that we received nonetheless. And we're back this year, um, 1st of February, 2023, with episode 30. So the Human and Machine podcast, if you're not familiar, we talk about specifically innovation, technology, challenges, projects, um, and learnings, more, most importantly, in the industrial automation and manufacturing and mining industry um, in South Africa. So episode 30. We started this year, Lenny, as already a month in. I think January was the longest two months of the year. Exactly. Um, a little bit of hopefulness, I think. Like we were. We were optimistic. We were hopeful and optimistic. We were optimistic as, as most South Africans were that, that 2023 would be a year we would observe much greater care for our very fragile infrastructure and um, here in South Africa especially given the severe problems we had in 2022. But sadly, over and above the crippling effects of load shedding, water, roads, and most infrastructure woes are mounting, and it's still all too common. So I think we, we may mention this in one of the previous episodes, but in, in 2022, the South African Institute of Civil Engineering highlighted these difficulties, um, and they indicated that South Africa is at the risk of becoming a failed state, which I think most of us can feel already. But yesterday, I read an interesting opinion piece yesterday in the Mail and Guardian um, by Bongani Mtabeni Muller. Um, what, she, what she had in there was quite insightful about Indonesia. I wasn't aware, and specifically Indonesia's recent economic growth. So in 2013, Indonesia was listed among Morgan Stanley's fragile, five most fragile economies. South Africa was on that list, including Brazil, India, and Turkey. But since the new president, uh, Jocko Widodo, became, um, uh, took his, his seat in 2014, the country has turned a corner. I think Indonesia today is regarded as an economic success story. GDP growth of more than 5% um, in 2022 and expected to grow at a similar rate this year. But what was interesting about the, the this turnaround for Indonesia, or very salient facet of Widodo's success, was the focus on infrastructure. And I think since then, until today, Indonesia has 16 new airports, 18 new seaports, 38 dams. Just phenomenal. And if you if you look in the history, um, history kind of taught us this, right? If you think about the Great Depression in America in the 30s, 20s and 30s, um, FDR, uh, Roosevelt, he yeah. did exactly the same. Uh, massive infrastructure projects, uh, to name a few, Hoover Dam as an example, the Wada Airport, and then the massive infrastructure around the highway system. Yeah, very similar. All was done to try and alleviate the economy out of mm. the Great Depression. Yeah. And this infrastructure impact has allowed Indonesia's economy to thrive and, and ultimately improve the quality of life of her people. So yeah, it was a lovely and encouraging shining light, which I feel <laughs> like this week I did. Um, getting into going into a, a four-hour four hour load shedding stunt. Um, and yeah, just an example of what can be achieved through probably a deliberate political and fiscal will as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting insight from Indonesia. So we're not the experts on infrastructure and engineering and projects and what is happening in that world. Um, we, we primarily techies. Um, but we are excited today to host uh, Kenny O'Kennedy and Rian Duplessis from Zatari. Zutari is an engineering and advisory firm that really champions the unparalleled potential to create impact through infrastructure. Uh, and, and you know we've we've known Kenny and and Rian for for a couple of years. And uh, today, no, we're not going to be dissecting load shedding unless we can't escape the topic for an hour. Um, or pivoting to the very <laughs> <laughs> pivoting to the political landscape. 
but rather delve into the value of impact, uh, creating future fit solutions, innovation, and cultivating mastery. So that was a very long intro. Um, Kenny, Rian, welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. Good to speak with you. No, thanks. Thanks, thanks Jaku. Looking um, forward to this, to this chat. Fantastic. So are we. Um, we, we, we did try and start off positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then he break, broke, it, broke the rule there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I promise. I'll try. I'll try a lot harder the, the next time. <laughs> so, Kenny Rian, um, I think Zutari. Um, I would imagine a lot of people in our industry would be quite familiar with with the business, the brand, um, and and some of the people. But if you could maybe give us an, an introduction, um, maybe starting with you, Kenny, in terms of your role at at Zutari, um, and and Rian, and maybe just a little bit of, a, of background around what you do and, and the nature of the business. Like cool, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I come from an industrial engineering background. That's what I, I studied. And then I, by chance, ended up at, at Africon. That, um, so I've, I've been working for three different companies with my, my colleagues haven't changed. So it was Africon, then we merged with Nanamshan, was a big South African company. Uh, we merged those two companies with um, Connell Wagner in Australia. Um, and then we were part of that marriage for, I think, nine years or 10 years. And then we demerged again and said, no, we want to take our testing our own hands. And then we became Zutari again. Okay. Um, and I've, um, I mean, Rian and myself, we're in the energy team. And uh, we've got different teams in the energy team. And I'm in the, uh, we're both in the industrial team and basically in the industry will be called electrical control instrumentation engineer. So we do everything from 11 kV switch gear all the way down to MCCs, motor control centers, oh. uh, PLCs and up to fiber. Okay. That's quite, that's quite broad. Yeah. Very broad. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll get my background out of the way and then we can please. talk more interesting stuff. Please, so, please so tell me that you study yeah, that. He's actually an interesting person. <laughs> <laughs> Ria, please tell, so, please tell Lenny that you at least studied at uh, Tux. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm a Tux of next person. There uh, we go. Yeah, I started, started off my career at a company called WSP as a control instrumentation engineer, predominantly in the, in the water infrastructure area. Um, did a lot of programming, PLC, HMI, SCADA programming in my early, early years. Um, but yeah, then I obviously progressed from there all the way to, um, to Zutari or, or initially joined Oricon. So I'm here now six years at Oricon. And over, so over my... 14, almost 15 year career, I've uh, tried to, to get as much of diverse exposure from substation automation, um, mining, a uh, little bit of, of oil and gas, a lot of water. Mm. And then the last couple of years had a, had a big focus on, on renewable projects and, and focusing specifically on the instrumentation, monitoring and control of, of renewable infrastructure. Um, so that was quite exciting. And yeah, so it's it's quite good working for a multidisciplinary engineering firm like Tutari, where we essentially have market units that address every infrastructure pretty much out there. And and the nice thing about Zutari is that we as the energy market, um, we basically deliver water infrastructure, mining, uh, all the other um, infrastructure projects as part of part of one team uh, engineering team so and we essentially like kenny said do the ecni component for for a lot of the infrastructure projects so yeah quite a diverse company with a lot of um, um, focuses but yeah it's uh, giving us the exposure and opportunity to get involved in different types of projects um, which is very mm -hmm. exciting yeah and that, I would imagine that's not um, 
that's not just doesn't just pertain to South Africa. I would imagine it's it's throughout sub-Saharan Africa or the continent. Yes, correct. So yeah, Zutari is is quite a large firm. I think we are just over two thousand employees now, <laughs> and we basically are throughout Africa as well as the Middle East with offices in the Middle East. Um, so we are truly African Middle East company um, covering projects all over. And yeah, it's, it's quite exciting getting involved in greater Africa projects and not only South African projects. Yeah. So we're not, um, we, we, thanks, we're not the experts in uh, renewables or energy. <clears throat> I, I think in many ways outside of the technology that we work with every day and, and, and the, you know, the stuff that we, we're passionate about, we, we probably just typical South African, um, you know, Lady and I on this side, um, as, as most of us are. You you probably have a very different view in terms of you know um, being much closer to some of the renewable projects and initiatives that's happening the IPPs for example you you probably have a much more educated and, and closer and more realistic view to what that looks like and the progress there um, what what what's what's your take on that at the, as it stands right now. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of exciting projects at the moment ongoing and programs. I think what most people don't realize is to to get a project, a large infrastructure project like a, a 140 megawatt wind farm or even a, these days a 240 megawatt solar farm off the ground is that there's quite a lot of um, EIAs and in, in per, um, permitting and um, landowner um, agreements and land acquisition and a lot of background or footwork that needs to be done just mm -hmm. to get to a point where, where a project can be entered in one of the, the programs um, or, or so-called be almost shovel ready. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of these projects need a couple of years just to get to that point where they can say, okay, the project is ready to be to be built into one of the, like the R REI PPP projects, the Renewable Energy Independent Power Producer Program. Mm -hmm. And when a project is entered there, there's a lot of um, investment that goes into getting the project to legal close, which is basically the point where they sign the, the, the contract with, with um, ESCOM and the Department of, of Energy. And only once they've got legal close, then they need to still take the project to financial close, basically. And that typically it typically could take between six to 12 months to get the project from bid to legal close. And then another, when they got legal close, it, they typically have six months to get financial close. So there you, at base case, you're probably looking at a year from when you got preferred bidder status to getting um, what they call notice to proceed to start construction. Yeah. So that process is, is unfortunately takes some time, but there's a lot of development, engineering, authorizations and everything that needs to be in place before you can actually um, close a project and then go into construction. Hmm. And then the other thing is a lot of these projects, um, their construction period, uh, construction timeline is typically between 18 to 24 months. Yeah. So uh, a lot of these projects, once they start construction, we still, we still um, some, you know, like 18 to 24 months away from, from them actually producing elect electrons into the grid and, and making a, a difference. Um, but that being said, that's the, the official programs and, and they definitely, the around five projects are, a lot of them are going into construction now. So, so they're on the path of contributing in the next 18 to 24 months. But then there's on the other side with the, um, the private off-taker market that is, that is exploding almost, so to speak. And a lot of companies that have targets in terms of their um, commitments to, to achieving carbon zero and them developing or essentially want to procure renewable energy um, to meet their own commitments in terms of, of climate change and carbon zero, that we see the private off-taker market and, and what they call commercial and industrial projects is, is also mm. exploding. Mm. And a lot of those projects um, have much more aggressive timelines because um, 
you know, they more the timelines is more uh, in control of the client and the IPP. Yeah. And and, and there's a, a lot of those projects that will definitely come online in the next 12 to 18 months. Okay. So, so there's a lot of positives happening. A lot of projects currently ongoing. Um, a few projects that's in went into construction, and the picture I would say the energy picture will look quite different in a couple of years' time um, when all when some of those projects is starting to to come online. Um, so yeah, so I'm quite excited, quite positive about the programs that is ongoing. Um, the projects that the chief preferred better status in round six, a lot of them is working now quite hard to towards the legal close. And um, yes. yeah, and, and hopefully if those, if they can also achieve financial close in the next six to 12 months, then um, they'll definitely contribute a lot to the, to the grid. So obviously it's not a flick on switch, like a lot of people hopes where we could, uh, yeah. Click on the switch. We suddenly have a bunch of PV and wind farms uh, contributing, but there are definitely programs in place, and um, the outlook I think is very positive for those projects um, okay. in the future. So it is real. So <laughs> it, it's real. It's happening, and there is. Uh, it's not only doom and gloom. I think there's a lot of positives and and a lot of uh, programs underway. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just not as quickly as, as a lot of people um, would like it to be. Yeah, I, I think just if I can add for, for us, because we do obviously infrastructure and a lot, a, there's a lot of political will needed for those infrastructure projects. So for yes. us as, as a Tory and as engineers, we actually like these crises because if, if there's load shedding, we know it's we know people are going to look for electrical engineers or energy experts. If there's it's water fine. flowing, sewage flowing into to Camps Bay, <laughs> then we know they're going to look December. for water. <laughs> they're going to look for water expertise. If there's if there's a drought, they're going to look for water expertise. If there's potholes, they're going to look for transport engineers. So for us, these crises is a crisis is actually. It's a good thing. So um, yeah. I don't know who said it, but you must, we must never. As a, I think it's a good, it's a good thing when there's so much attention in the media and 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 mm. and bright place, bright talks about load shedding and and sewage flowing into the rivers and drinking water and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a good thing because it creates a crisis and and the crisis creates okay. alignment. So. And it sounds like I I really hope this 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 like stage six load shedding is really a crisis. I really hope that that we we can create that alignment even more in South yeah. Africa. Because because in Zutari we we've got re, we've really got not that Rian and I we the brightest, but the people <laughs> that we work with is there's really some awesome engineers here on, the, on both the water side and the renewable energy side. The our the, our partners that we work with, the, the developers, the, our clients, is really people that's in it for for making a difference, and mm -hmm. we've got the skills. Even though we we're losing some of the younger skills, we still have a ton of expert experience in in South Africa to solve the problems. It's a it, but it's about use about being in unity toward driving towards that same goal. Yeah. I think I think it. it Still in South Africa, we still have a lot of good engineering firms and consultancy firms that that definitely are here to make a difference. And and you know, being part of the the Caesar Awards evening last year and seeing some of the projects that the other consultants is doing and stuff, I think South Africa still has a very good engineering base, and and yes. we definitely have the skills although it is sad that we are losing a lot of skills that of people um, immigrating and leaving but yeah. i think the positive thing is we we still have a proper engineering base in south africa um, that are ready and geared to to assist so and they're working on these challenges and finding solutions yeah um yeah so i definitely think with Maybe the added focus is a good thing so that some of those projects will be prioritized and timelines prioritized um, yeah. so that we can get that and focus on it. It feels, it, feels, it feels awful to say that um, 
with with load shedding and <laughs> kitty you spoke about camps bay that was in the news an area like kzn um uh, they were in the news their beaches for a very similar kind of problem it sounds awful to say that it's a that it's a good thing but you know only if there is enough pain um and an understanding of of what the challenge is will there be enough reason to change and to affect change um so yes I, I i agree with you i think the you know whatever people like yourself and businesses like you guys have been um, and communities like us have been saying for the last however many years it is now actually being felt um you know so with that with the advent of that pain, maybe we we still wouldn't really have seen any progress. Um, so maybe you're right. That is, I, I think it can only be a good thing, um, at least as a minimum, to put it on the talking, to put it as a talking point on everybody's agenda, because it literally is wherever you go, it's it's the only thing that anybody speaks of and speaks about. Um, so it is center prime focus for everybody in South Africa at the moment, not just for business. Exactly. And I think, I think media has got a little bit of a, a neg always a negative spin on all of these stories. Uh, you always hear of the bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, great to hear Rian explaining the process and, you know, five projects that's already in construction phase. Mm -hmm. You very seldom hear about that type of stuff of how many of these things is online and what's actually building. So the media, unfortunately, feels the fire, mm. literally at the bry a little bit um, for us to become a little bit negative. But yeah, as as Kenny said, out of crises and, and um, negativity, there's always the opposite that it is actually an opportunity, a massive mm. opportunity. I wanted to chat about two things that you, you mentioned, um, Rian, specifically on the sustainability and the environment aspect of the, of these new projects. So uh, listening to some of the timelines, as you explained it, I mean, in, in my mind, it sounds really long, but if I think about a typical project in any industry, you know, the, the business case, the conceptualizing the, all of the different phases of the project up to, um, you know, shovel ready and eventually completion to me, it feels really long. But I suppose it's not if you and, if you consider and maybe maybe to that point um, we've heard so many you know things about the red tape mm. and the the government is really trying to reduce the red tape um, but surely from an environmental perspective yeah you need to do your environmental studies you can't just go and plunk these things down anywhere you wish and just yeah. yeah so that that resilient infrastructure at pace that we need. Um, and the environment and the sustainability aspect what you know as part of these projects what is that relationship between making that work for you know for you mentioned farmers for example what is that relationship is it like a facebook status complicated <laughs> um and and how, how big a part of the project is that to make that a win-win you know so there's no there's no loss um whether it's for private individuals, environment, um, and it's a win-win for everybody. How big big part of the project is that? I think it's, well, it's a big part, but it's also a very important part because you need that checks and balances in place to ensure that that we rolling out these projects in, in the right way and also in a sustainable way um, and keeping the environment in mind. So obviously the EIA process and environmental authorizations are extremely important and but but i think it's also worth noting that south africa has set up um like areas where they um you know in a certain area there was eias and stuff done to say that projects developed in this region you know would mm. have certain requirements and and that you need to meet so those areas has been set up and a lot of project development within those environmental areas you know, development zones um is going ahead a lot quicker mm. but but it is it's, it is very important that you go through that process and understand what is the the requirements in terms of and how that authorization is linked to your project size and your development because you know if we can't say okay we have an energy crisis and now we're going to deploy hundreds of projects and in a few years we we have an environmental crisis you know it's, yeah. it's very important that these projects goes hand in hand and that the right authorizations is in place before, you know, and, and the requirements is understood to, for example, developing a, a wind farm 
taking into account uh, not only the construction or where you're going to build it in terms of the land, but also taking in the, the impact on the bird migrations and all the other studies that needs to be done. So it, it goes hand in hand to you know, energy as well as the impact on the environment and what needs to be done, um, what mitigation um, needs to be in place. Um, and, yeah, and I think that process has been shortened quite a lot over the last number of years. Hmm. Um, but I think a lot of projects um, and or a lot of developers understand that process and they have teams that, that actively drive that process as well. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, but, but obviously a lot of that work or leg work needs to be done in advance before you um, start considering the development. Yes. Um, but I think for, for farmers and that there's what makes it sometimes uh, complicated and it's a topic that I've, I've um, spent some time on the last couple of months to a year is the, is how to, because a lot of farmers want now to go off grid and they want to be independent of, of, of the utility or, or mm. um, the network service provider and they, they want to have their own, be in charge of their own destiny. And, and it's understanding your operations versus the solution that's get put in. There's, there's obviously a lot of players out there that would like to install their solution or any solution just to, to maybe get the project. Yes. But I think what I've seen is, is that it's the clients needs to understand basically what they want to use the system for, what and how their operation operates, what is the operating hours, you know, and, and what technology would support their operation the best. And then, you know, in terms of control, um, uh, uh, you know, a topic that, that's really been exciting for me was the whole microgrid control, how that, that control system integrates into various applications like agriculture, mm -hmm. industrial applications. Mm -hmm. um, and then the topic, how can, for example, battery energy storage, how can that um, assist with, um, you know, what they call synthetic inertia or virtual inertia, which is basically reserve power that you need to start up a large motor, for example. And, and how does the technology and control systems can assist you to achieve that using an off-grid solution um, mm. where you would rely on a combination between uh, diesel generators, battery, and, and maybe PV or, or wind to, to run your facility off-grid and then to understand the, the requirements of the control system to be able to provide that uh, virtual inertial power to be able to start up large motors. I think there's a lot of development there being done, um, which is quite exciting for, for me is the, it's another dynamic to control systems. So, um, you know, we've worked with control systems now for a while. And then every time you get this challenge where the client is saying, well, you know, I have this 200 kilowatt motor, but you know, I, to want to disconnect the grid and I don't want to just run on a diesel generator, what is my options? You know, and then, um, so that's yeah. the kind of challenge that currently um, excites us and, and get us uh, more focus on, on what control system support at the base. Yeah. So outside of, I want to get back to the technology, but as much as we, <clears throat> as much as we want to be, um, resilient our grids and our infrastructure to be resilient and and we want it to be functioning as a minimum um it has to also be sustainable um and it has yeah. to be you know it has to provide some sustainability for future generations so there is a there is that that element or combination of urgency versus doing it responsibly um <clears throat> so really happy that yeah. the responsible element is still there because you know one day when when this is going to be like a really um, horrible talk today one day when we die because we're all <laughs> you know it's 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 completely irrelevant but it's then then it's it's it sits within our children and and their children so so it is a very important aspect i want to get back to the the technology so there is i would imagine we see it on our side there there's a ton of emerging technologies digital technologies just um you mentioned two really um interesting um scenarios now that i don't know about but there is a lot of new technology available. The ability to embrace some of that technology um, and, and benefit from more innovative ways to, to deliver value. 
looking at, at what you've mentioned now, do you, are there specific things that you're excited about? Um, you want to elaborate maybe on those two scenarios? Um, and how do you see the openness to deploy new technology and more importantly, a new way of doing things? Is there a reluctance to that or is there an openness to that? Well, it's, it depends on <laughs> who the client is mostly, but uh, I think in, in definitely in the more private sector, there's, there's an openness to taking on new technologies that supports, well, these days supports more uh, 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 openness in terms of, of integrating um, different, almost be OEM agnostic so that you can, the solution that you put down must be able to integrate any um, devices that you put down. So yes. there's definitely a big drive to put down systems that support that, that openness, that, um, that drive to, to not be necessarily bound to one vendor. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also, some of that has been driven by the technology or the equipment that's used is that um, clients once there's almost the best fit for purpose solution for each technology area. Um, so then your monitoring and, and control layer needs to be able to, to integrate that, to have that openness to, to integrate various um, downstream technologies. Yeah. I think there's a large two, two, sorry, just two major focuses that I've seen from in our projects that's become a really hot topic is the being able to to monitor efficiently, but also have remote access and mm -hmm. basically um, data, well, the data becomes a very big topic in terms of the reporting and, and being able to either prove compliance on one end or, or prove performance on the other end, because a lot of um, renewable projects, for example, has performance contracts and guarantees and stuff in place. And they need to be able to to prove that they've met a certain performance target. So for them, the data and reporting becomes extremely important on how to collect the data, transfer of data, manage the data, and then also the reporting side of it. Mm. But with that, the second topic that is um, definitely a play a big part is the cybersecurity uh, topic because the yeah. moment you you create this remote connection and have these new technologies that are built for for uh, web interfaces and all and that openness. you yeah. and openness you definitely need better security or um, yeah. you know more dedicated security cyber security in place to to allow that openness but still make sure that um, you're not compromised that openness <laughs> is um, an interesting one because often when we speak about openness people associate it with lessened security or lower security or no security and there's, yeah, a, there's and a very big difference between openness and something that is um, open publicly um, you know the ability to connect to anything um, is not the yeah. same as as you know no security but the security is data and security that's that's Lenny pretty much what we've been been hearing a lot of as well on our side okay. yeah I mean people are talking I th about I think that hmm? So yeah, people are talking about this whole notion of, of sabotage. Uh, just it's not always just physical. People yeah. shouldn't just think it's someone yeah. maliciously damaging equipment. Um, I think what we've seen around the world, I think in this week, mm. there was an allegation from the British media that the Russians tried to hack and destroy the, mm. the internet infrastructure in the UK. Yeah. So yeah, very important, especially with these infrastructure projects. Um, mm. it, it becomes a little bit vulnerable if mm. your cybersecurity is not up to up to scratch. Yeah. Sorry, Kenny. And I think, no, I think it's uh, just before Kenny jumps in. I think it's the yeah, the openness is hundred percent. It's the openness of integration and not necessarily yes. the openness of access. You know, so it's yeah. having having a common protocol that allows um, seamless integration of different technologies and that yeah. openness has become very important and if that yeah. if that system if that system can can maintain the integrity and the fidelity of your your overall application that's ultimately what you want you know with all of these there's some really really sexy stuff devices things out there you know you want to have the ability to just 
get whatever's available, first of all, today in 2023, whatever you can get your hands on. Like, and secondly, you want to just be able to integrate whatever you have everywhere easily and quickly, um, but then obviously securely and maintain the, the the fidelity of that system. But yeah, I think the days of the days of this will only function with that one specific type, make, brand, model, that's become far too limiting for most successful um, projects to be flexible um, and, and and quick to implement. And 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 also, it's you. Um, we're talking about um, how data is becoming so important. So with these, what 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 excites me about the renewable energy projects is there's an incentive to really look carefully at your data because if you can if you either from a contractor perspective or operator perspective, you can prove that you're making you, well, you can maintain and, and operate your plant better, but also from a, a owner perspective, you can audit your, your renewable energy contract and you can make sure that they're, they're actually performing like they should. And then, yeah. and, and so there's a, there's a bit, there's a more of an incentive to, to look carefully at the, at the data and to, to do that and to be able to manage performance like that. It's not, mm. It, it, you're not just going to put one software package that's going to solve it all. Mm. It's it's often it's a multiple multiple hardware and software that you must integrate together, and that's where obviously where the open architecture becomes so important mm. and the flexibility. Because you also these, I think what's interesting about infrastructures, our projects are typically we it, it takes a long time to build it, but then they should last for at least 20 years and if you if you do like water treatment stuff that's 50 year mm. life lifetime so you're gonna you must future proof um everything that you do you can't just think about okay what happened i've only been working for 13 years which is sounds like a long time but <laughs> i'm building infrastructure that's gonna last for 50 years so what type of data are they gonna need Yes. And what type of innovation would they like to do in 50 years' time? That's a, that's a, a good challenge. Absolutely. What I, the, 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 the example that I use is in 2007, the iPhone came out. Yes. So that's, that's 15 years or 16 years ago. Yeah. And now we, at the moment, we're busy building infrastructure, whether it's water or renewable energy. That's gonna last for more than 15 years. It's gonna last for 20 years. So just think about how smartphones have changed our lives completely. What what is the next thing that's gonna change our lives completely and, and how the the end users or the operators and, and maintenance people are they gonna wanna be able to integrate these new technologies in the way they do things? So it's uh, yeah, I, I like that challenge. Yeah, perfect. And at the end of the day, if we think about it, um, yes, there might be all of these nice new technology out there, but it's us. It's us as people, right? It's us, the, the men and women, the thinkers, the doers. We are that innovation force that drives all of these things. Mm -hmm. Now, we mentioned mm -hmm. right from the beginning um, that there is unfortunately a little bit of exodus of, of really talented people out of the industry. Um, and it's it's a little bit under threat um, with the amount of talent that we are losing um, to the out, uh, the outside world through immigration. Um, and there's been a quite a big exodus just from engineers that I know in mm -hmm. the past two years of people that that already made the plan. Yeah. Um, how does it impact Zutari? How, and what do you guys do to try and keep these young, innovative, you know, talented people to to stay with the company and to to be on this journey with you guys? Yeah. No, it's it's a big challenge for us. In just in in the real and my team, we've felt it physically almost, you know, because <laughs> we've lost a we lost a core group of engineers with four to six years experience. Um, one one thing in 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 um in our industry, it's very important to get professionally registered. Yeah. So yeah. once. Once someone becomes professionally registered in honesty, they they if they have half a LinkedIn profile, they get they get offers from recruiters. So that 
and and that's overseas so there's obviously a big market for south african engineers overseas and yeah. and uh, it it looks like they really appreciate the skills that we have yeah because just the amount of people that's going there and the other thing is this all renewable energy boom um there's just so much work um at the moment that it's difficult to keep to keep the people and and obviously pay plays a plays a role but in our team yeah um and and we'll we'll probably never be able to match what they're going to get paid in in london or Ireland. we've lost a lot of people to ireland and the netherlands but what we the, the things that's in our control is we can pay them a fair salary which we we which we obviously try to do so we see pay as a hygiene factor so it's not going to motivate the person to really be passionate about their job and and make mm -hmm. them stay for or or motivate them to go to 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 really be a great engineer but it's it it might it might cause them to leave the job so that's how we see it and then the other thing is or almost more important is give them a a purpose i think for us as as engineers and especially yeah. in infrastructure it's, it's very easy to link what we do to we're solving load shedding we we're solving the water problem in the eastern cape we there's literally we've worked on lots of projects where after that project is done we're giving water to people that haven't had water before yeah so so and and that's a story we we often we we we, be, we go back to just become or just be engineers and we just talk about technical stuff but we mm -hmm. we forget to tell the why of why we really do things the, the and material what, cause almost of what you, what you are doing yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i think uh, well uh, richard right um, i watched the, the session that, that he talked about the power of purpose and and yeah, we shouldn't underestimate the power of purpose. You know, people that have a, they need sort of a, a purpose, you know, a, a why to to do something. And I think, you know, these days with, with climate change and, and a lot of things that goes with it, there are definitely um, enough people that wants to make a difference and they're just looking for a place where they can feel like they they have a purpose and they and 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 they have a why why they want to do it and yeah i've been involved in a few projects where we've like kenny said we're building a, a new water treatment plant for for drinking water or potable water mm. and then when a project is done you know you see the the people having water in their taps you know and then you and you see the difference that you're making in their lives and, yeah. and definitely that um, that is a purpose that that we want to to sort of show the young engineers to say that we in Africa we have we have a role to play here and and we have a, almost in my opinion an obligation to contribute to try and and provide basic services to people across Africa and that basic services obviously include proper drinking water and what and proper sanitation um, as well um, yeah and all the other infrastructure to provide yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry yeah. Um, I think I, I'm a Afro optimist, so I, <laughs> I don't like it when people immigrate. You'll have to Google that, Kenny. <laughs> especially, I, I think, um, I, heard, I think Paul Harris, who was, who was uh, one of the founders of RMB, I had a talk where he said, you can, uh, you can choose if you, you must see yourself as a springbok, and you can choose. Do you want to be in a zoo or do you want to be in the wilderness? If you're in a zoo, you know you're gonna get fed. You never, you'll never die. If you if you get sick, there'll probably be a very highly trained vet that's gonna come and examine you and, and solve your sickness. Mm. But if you're in the wilderness, yes, you, there's lions. You might you might you might die that once or until it's more dangerous. But <laughs> it's the wilderness. You made for it. You are there's opportunities. Yes. Um. That. You don't. You're never gonna get in 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 the zoo. Mm. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying London and Ireland and the Netherlands is a zoo, but <laughs> um, I think it's in, in in Africa we've got, especially in infrastructure, what we're doing now. It's it's they talk about developed countries. For me, that means developed countries means 
most of the stuff is already developed. So when you go and do infrastructure there, and we've seen it now when we work with the, with the Australians a lot, is you don't work, you don't see greenfield projects that often as we see it in South Africa, just in South Africa, we're already very developed if, mm. if you compare us to the rest of Africa. Where, and, and, and Africa is already is busy developing and there's, there's so much opportunity for infrastructure and everyone knows infrastructure is the basis for, for economies to thrive. So not, I, not just, I, not just economies, I think for security. Right. Mm -hmm. You mean people talk about water security, they talk about food security. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. So, so we, I, I think, yes, yeah, we're in the wilderness. There's a few lions roaming around that <laughs> wants to kill yeah. us. But there's, there's so many opportunities and the young people. Well, if you look, there's sorry, definitely, you live in I, Joburg, I, there's real, there's real tigers, and tigers, and tigers in Joburg. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Where are you going to, you're not going to, I, sorry, I, I had an old engineer, some of these old engineers that you work with, they're real legends. So the one guy, we were sitting there, it was actually a, a roads project where we were looking at maintaining street lights and, and a lot of the, a lot of discussions around that contract meetings was about theft and how, how are they going to keep the guys from stealing the cables? And then this guy will just look to me and says, can you, can you imagine? How boring would it be in Australia <laughs> where they don't have these problems? <laughs> so he was an extreme optimist. I wouldn't say I would, I would love, sometimes I would love a bit of boring, but um, I think if we must, we, we should really, as, as older, I don't see myself as that old, but as older engineers, we should frame those, those opportunities and challenges yes. like that to the young yeah. people. And I, and I, and we see it, we, the people that we, Zutara is very lucky in a sense that the CVs that we get from Vosti, it's amazing, the, 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 the engineers that applied to us. So, and it's people that really want to make a difference. Well, they always, they always want to do renewable energy because they want to make a difference or data science because they're interested yes. in AI and machine learning. And that's, that's our chance the two things that Ria and I, we dabble, dabble, and so we try and meet that need, but, but yeah, no, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Definitely. If you, I mean, we, we actually, it's, it's probably an episode on its own with ChatGPT and, and all the chappies and uh, the, the availability of, of, or the accessibility of, of platforms like that is set to change a couple of industries quite significantly, but yeah, that, that is yeah, quite exciting. Yeah. And, yeah, I've become a Python developer now that ChatGPT is out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I think it's one of it's one of those those things that you either need to get onto it and understand it and and see how it can be useful, or you're going to get left behind. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Either embrace it or yeah, lead yeah. it. And, and I then, mean, Lenny Lenny yeah. always points it out as an engineer. That's you know that's almost a, a fundamental purpose is to learn every day and continue learning and figure out new ways yeah i mean you you said it um kenny you've got an industrial engineering degree it doesn't matter engineering teach you to learn mm. i always say it. engineering gives you it, you have to research your research papers do the investigations do the understanding yeah. engineering is there for you to learn the the, the other thing you mentioned, Kenny, was, um, and, and Rian, I think, through describing some of your projects, is our um, obligation to highlight when, when there are successful outcomes and positive change. You know, we, we spoke about the media a little bit earlier. Um, yes, we rely on, on media for, for various bits and sources of information in different contexts, but I, I don't think we celebrate when there are successful and positive things happening, especially on the infrastructure side in South Africa. You know, it's far easier to complain about everything that is not working slow or not happening. But when there is something positive, I, I, I don't think it's highlighted and celebrated as enough as it should be. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with that quite a bit. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's our fault as well as engineers. We're not very good at storytelling, telling those stories. Yeah, yeah. 
cool that was that was really awesome i feel i feel much better i feel a lot more positive thank you <laughs> if we can if we could maybe do this every morning and us maybe if if we can take five minutes every morning i feel a lot better <laughs> but yeah there was there was good insight from from your team and you guys that are really at the forefront of of a lot of these things thank you for that and we haven't even spoken about the the cool tech stuff we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we haven't we haven't even you know typically we we usually speak more about the tech than than anything else. But yeah. this this was this was insightful. Um, maybe on the tech side, any anything um, as we 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 sort of at the at the genesis of twenty twenty three. If if we look at this year, any trends, any tech things that you're excited about that you're looking forward to that's that's set to revolutionize yeah for uh, for us uh, what is exciting is connecting what what we do as a story so Zutari, obviously because we we build infrastructure we do a lot of projects that you that's in 3d or we do stuff that's in 3d space so there's a lot a big 3d modeling uh, uh, part to what we do and obviously, Rian and I, we're in the industrial automation space. So bring those two components together, the, the BIM modeling and the IoT live data, bring those two together to, to create uh, digital twins of our, of our projects. That's one of our uh, passion projects that we've got on the go. And we've got some good, um, good example or good uh, proof of concept already going, going on that. But that's yes. No, no, that's so, that yeah. sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you already have a PSC so, of that running. Mm. Yeah, so we so we've got so because we we as as a Tory, we're already very we've got advanced guys that can build amazing three D models, um, and we've also got a, a a Unity developer. Uh, Unity is a gaming engine. That's right. So we've, yeah. we've managed to get. Get those 3D models into into Unity and then stream live data via MQTT broker. Yaku and Lenny will like it. Mm -hmm. uh, to that, to that uh, Unity Unity engine. So it gives it's it's basically what you're creating is you're creating a virtual reality skater. Or we, it's still very it's still very basic, but the guy can walk. Um, if you take it. A few steps further, the guy will be able to put his glasses on at his home, and he can walk his whole plant and see it in in, in virtual reality. We've got um, some some um, Unity artists as well, so they they make sure the concrete looks nice and the pump actually looks like a pump. It's not just a, <laughs> a, a round a round <laughs> cylinder in the middle of the the pump station. So that's very exciting, and I think. Uh, and and to, together, just one step further that we're also busy with is um, the whole mixed reality. Um, we we don't just put it put those those additional info. We don't just um, put it in virtual reality. We actually augment reality mm -hmm. with it. So um, we've we've also done a little proof of concept where a guy can put a, on a Hololens, which is Microsoft's. Uh, AR glasses, and yep. he can walk through a pump station, and he can see some basic streaming data of a of a pump. I think. Amazing. We we, we saw those videos about 12, 15 years ago. We saw those those videos, yeah. those conceptual videos of that. Yeah, ideas so, around that. yeah. If I if I get if I can talk if I can refer back to the iPhone. So yep. so Apple brought out the iPhone two thousand seven. This year, apparently, they they they're gonna release AR glasses. So mm -hmm. I think that could be the next next iPhone. Um, and if you think about industrial plants, the, the, one of the most important things for operators or people that walk around the plant, they want to be have both hands available. Yeah. And if they can if they can be in their plant and see real-time data that's associated with the asset that they're looking at. Mm. That can be a that can be a real real game changer. Mm. And it's I I think it's not that far off. Will mm. it, it's the, the technology is definitely available. I think one of the cool things that we've seen now is MQTT really makes that an adult pops up broker 
type architecture maker and also the light the light weight weightness of the of of mptt makes it so much so much more possible and easier to do yeah that heavy um, reliance on a on a network infrastructure to to give mm, you that data mm, or access to the data that and, reliance is and much coupled more. with 5g obviously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think yeah, i think the, the the exciting thing about BIM, you know, we call it better information management. <laughs> not like. information. It's it's the well, there's a lot of our clients experience high turnover of operators on site. So they're looking for tools how they can quicker upskill and train their plant operators, um, you know, that so that they can efficiently operate the plant. And that's more where I see the value of of having the training environment where the, the operator can so to call play with the plant before he, he play he goes on on the real plant and and we have done a few a few training environments using vr and, yeah. and that for a few clients to for example on how to switch a substation so they go through a we gamified uh, the training for them so they can in vr go through the steps of switching the plant and and it basically almost the next gen would now be to take that the next step further to to give him a mixed reality environment where they can do the the practical training on site um, using the tech that's available. And I think yeah, this has been coming now for for a lot of a lot of time, but I, I think the technology and the is more viable now to make it more streamlined, lightweight. Um, you know than than what it used to be so i think it will yeah. become definitely more accessible to do this type of 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 setups yeah and the time to value for those operators and they're cutting down that learning time is is, is a huge mm, exactly because yeah, yeah. it, it happens in parallel you, mm -hmm. the plant doesn't even have to be built right mm. so you talk about the 24 months it takes to build these things in it literally you almost have a guy with two years experience if i can say it like that mm, with basic concepts of with basic concepts without operation. the plant without the plant being built and the second thing mm. is um it's a very good way to to get new people and new talent i mean, I mean if think about it i that's great our, our industry is not the sixth it's not the sixth industry <laughs> we we think it's really sexy, we think it's really sexy, you, you, you speak to to young <laughs> students and uh, so the people are sexy, but not our industry. <laughs> no. So, but, but think about it. You 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 um you actually go to work and you play with all this cool tech stuff and hololenses and etc. It must be exciting for a new new person coming mm -hmm. into the field. Yeah. So yeah, very important. Cool, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. So we um sorry. Any anything else on that topic? Sound like I cut somebody off there. No, no. I, I just wanted to to, to affirm that point. Uh, that's it's the 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 AR. If if you show clients what we found, it, it's definitely a wow factor, but it also it inspires inspires something in them. I think, and then they it 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 makes them excited about the projects that you work on for them. Um, and then that's when they see you can do that, they also trust you. The, the more non-sexy stuff, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> Or it is inspiring. It's still, for, yeah, for us, it's still, it's it's something. It's not, not now happening now at the moment on projects as going mainstream. But it's definitely something that's in the next five years. I think it's going to be very something to watch. Looking forward to seeing that. Cool. So we we I think we've run out of time. Have we actually gone over time? Thank you so much for the chat. So we. I hope I gave you the heads up. We usually, when we record an episode and we speak to different men and women, we typically end off with a personal note. I think it's more personal than anything else um, in terms of what you are currently reading, um, book, watching, um, a specific series, um, listening to, it could be a podcast. Um, I always find it quite an interesting topic to, to just get some feedback, what different people are are reading and listening to and, and maybe there's there's some nuggets and and things that people can learn from and um maybe take up so yeah kenny we want to start with you anything interesting that you um that you're reading listening or watching yeah uh, at the moment i'm just reading kids books <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, I've got I've got four daughters. Uh, that was the reason why I'm passionate about leaving a legacy in South Africa for them. Yes. Um, but I I read um, David Livingston's biography over the over the holidays, and I was again just inspired by how how excited and how well he was it was a it was on the frontier and 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 really pioneer in in africa and i think um we in Zutari and the projects we do we 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 can also be pioneers and and create infrastructure in africa so that's i love that that's it, it maybe maybe it looks a little bit different today maybe it um it, it is a little bit different today but I think the concept is is very similar, and the purpose behind it um, is is what the driving force is. And I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. So I think uh, what I'm reading is maybe uh, not so sexy, but the last uh, couple of weeks I've just been reading uh, technical notes on microgrid control and, <laughs> and uh, a lot of, about load balancing and uh, all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, but yeah, it's quite interesting to to see what the IC tech notes is saying on on us because they, that's quite good guidelines on on how it can be done yes. or should be or guidelines to follow. And then reading a lot of obviously case studies uh, surrounding different um, studies uh, that's been done for off-grid systems uh, on islands and and various locations. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's basically my reading. Um, and then yeah, and, and then to keep so nerdy, yeah, to, so embracing to your myself, true engineer. Well, to keep myself sane, I go hiking every weekend, you know, <laughs> um, just to get to the mountains. Uh, keep Fantastic. keep sane. If I can add, um, just on on the industrial automation, I, I think I I really like Walker Reynolds' stuff that they they're doing. Um, yes. He's a he's an interesting personality, but I I like what he what he's done for me is just brought a lot of clarity around all these all these buzzwords. And then also I think in South Africa, Kutsai I, I can't pronounce his his surname, but he's right. also amazing. Sorry. Mdawarida. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Well Kutsai. done. Yeah. We've, we've actually had well him on a, on a prior episode. Just a fantastic young man. Um, yeah. yeah. And he's he's local and he's doing amazing stuff and he gets recognized internationally with the, the, the teachings and the stuff he's done. There's a second one. Yeah, there is a lot of a lot of information out there when it comes to, you know, our industry and our space mm. and technology. And I think the ability to clarify that um, is something that both of them do really well. Yeah, just to get past the jargon and get to the the actual value. I think both of them is is very good at um, going through the, all the the buzzwords and and actually um, saying giving a bit of a better explanation of how to use it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's quite and, quite good. And it's it's a it's a challenge for us with our clients because they get bombarded with all these buzzwords and they, they yep. feel like they must do something about all these digital things but they they just overwhelmed they don't know what to do so if you can explain to them and a lot of them are not electrically or electronically or software orientated mm -hmm. people so to explain it in a in a simpler with more clarity simpler way of more clarity it's it's, yeah. it's really powerful that's the other that's the other big role that we that we have in our industry is to help people make sense of of the noise mm. um it's, it's a big responsibility i i think by the way yaku i think you and lenny also doing also doing a good job oh fantastic just, just despite those... what everybody tells us we're doing all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you you guys are very good communicators i've i've really enjoyed the the breakfast we had the was well, the beginning of last year? That was, yes, that was that's right. Really good. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Kenny, just another thought. I think what we should do is we should get you and Rian to join us at the ICC in September this year. Uh, mm. We actually met Walker there September last year. Um, a, a really incredible community, uh, like-minded community of people um, in in Folsom in California. Um, I think that that would be a great experience. Yeah, no, we're keen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you so much for your time. That was, that was, um, 
a little bit more philosophical than I expected, but it was just <laughs> in, incredibly insightful and and positive and inspiring. Thank thank you for that. We can do it more take one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely schedule schedule another episode. The next, yeah, the next one we'll do have a whiteboard and some formulas and sand standards and stuff. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I can do. I can do a great one in Ohm's law, the, the triangle. <laughs> Rian's fan base will appreciate that. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much Thanks. for your time. Um, and it was good chatting. And if it's okay, we'll we'll share your contact details if anybody wants to get in touch with you. Uh, we'll make sure that we, we share that in the description of the podcast as well. Oh, perfect. I'm just going to get my signal. I'm going to just try and figure out my signature again so that I can do autographs after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that was episode 30. If you have any other suggestions in terms of content, industries, people, stories, um, that, that's what we're all about. Please send us your suggestions. Um, really enjoyed the chat with, with Rihanna. Definitely. Um, a little bit put more positivity in my in absolutely my, in my step so from electronic circuits we ended up there with ohm's law so i'm definitely more optimistic biased <laughs> um electronic guys who know what that means after this episode um one thing that i've i've been listening to quite often is the podcast called the diary of a ceo with Steve yes Bartlett. yes that's really he's got a he's got a very fascinating session with a neuroscientist the doctor mm -hmm. Uh, where they actually discuss this whole topic that through evolution, we are actually wired to be optimistic. Mm. And there's a few things that you can do for your brain to be tricked, to mm. be optimistic biased. So again, this kind of tied into that, I'm definitely feeling a lot more better with the infrastructure mm. process and progress and the good work that the, the guys are doing. Yeah, for sure. To, to, when, to bring that to, to Africa. When you listen to these stories, there's going to be a lot of good positive things happening. Definitely. So we're going to continue with the with, with the the trade aspects of infrastructure and and talking a little bit more about what's happening on the ground, different projects, different different businesses, and the technologies and how that impacts what's happening. And if you've got any other questions, topics, or suggestions, please reach out to at, at podcast at elementate.co.za. Cool. Many thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Cheers, everybody. Bye bye.